The Grizz Den Podcast 2021 offseason is presented by Walker Financial Management. John Morant is an NBA superstar and the engine of the Grizzlies offense. But he would be the first to tell you it takes consistent support from teammates, coaches, trainers, and advisors for him to be the most successful on and off the court. In the same way, small business owners are the engines of their companies and wear lots of hats. Walker Financial Management exists to support owners of small to medium-sized businesses, specifically in regards to bookkeeping. They offer customizable solutions like transaction categorization, monthly financial statement preparation, accounts receivable, and payable management, payroll, CFO services, and more. If you or someone you know is spending too much time, money, or stress on bookkeeping, find peace of mind by, by visiting www.walkerfm.com to schedule a free consultation with a certified bookkeeping professional today. Again, that's www.walkerfm.com. Welcome to another edition of the Grizz Den Podcast. We are excited to be with you. A lot has happened in Grizz Nation since the last time we spoke, which was draft night. That was like 20, that was almost three weeks ago. That's crazy. I've had a kid since then. Yeah. Congratulations to Brantley (laughs) Davidson on another Grizz Cub. Yep. She's doing great. Awesome. Uh, What was her first encounter with the Grizzlies on on TV? Any uh, summer league, any... Anything uh, of the maybe a well, sports center with was, a Woj tweet or something? She was born on uh, what was it? It was uh, the free agency opening or like what mm. or all that yeah. stuff going down. So, like, I was constantly like <laughs> sitting, you know, it was like we were going from like the birth room or whatever, and I was, you know, checking on my wife like a good husband and watching the baby, then like catching up on thousands of text messages and tweets from you guys (laughs) so it was a very eventful evening we'll say so what you're telling me is she couldn't have timed it worse she timed it perfectly it actually entertained i had double entertainment maybe so okay cool cool so you were it was a pleasant distraction is what you're saying other than the fact that the internets at the baptist hospital was absolutely horrible yeah um that's it ty welcome to the podcast hey thanks any babies no babies. Okay. Not that I'm aware of. Whew. Nice. Um, we're just going to leave that at that. Um, all right. Will? So we any, baby, <laughs> any babies? We got a puppy. Okay, there you go. And if you might hear her behind me uh, if she starts barking again, but hopefully she's taking a little nap. Um, literal grizz cub, if you think about it. Mm. Um, all right. So we had a lot that happened. We had a few trades. We had summer league. We have... Um, we just have some intrigue regarding the roster and uh, some further, I guess you could say, confirmation that we are not living in the here and now. We are living in the future. And um, we have some opinions on, on how fans and everyone else should be reacting to this stuff. But let's start um, with the most recent bit of news. Okay, it's going to be 
we're going to have to work backwards a little bit to get to the, the most recent, but I think it's the most important since it's where we are right now. So on August 15th, Eric Bledsoe gets dealt for Patrick Beverly, Rajon Rondo, and Daniel Latoro from the Los Angeles Clippers. And we had heard from day one that Eric Bledsoe was probably not going to end up being on the roster. I personally thought that it was going to end up in just him being waived and us eating the 3.9 partial guarantee on his deal next year, along with his salary this year, just because our roster was getting very crowded. And instead we found a trade partner and that also brought back like two additional guys in addition to Eric Bledsoe. So there goes, you know, more decisions on the roster. And then after we had pontificated about which of Pat Beverly, Rajon Rondo and Daniel Latoro would stay on the roster. Um, the most likely in my mind to stay would have been Pat Bev as far as just like utility. We all might disagree on that. If so, we can talk about it. But um, he ends up getting dealt literally two days later after he tweets grit and grind, baby, let's go. Um, and now he's really excited to be in Minnesota. <laughs> That's what he said today. Did he really? He did. Oh, good for him. Yeah. Um, well, Pat Bev just got dealt for Jarrett Culver, who is the – Sixth overall pick, I believe. Is that right? Yes. I thought he went higher. In Did 19, he not? He was six. Oh well. He, anyway, he's a top pick from 2019, as well as Juancho Hernan Gomez to make the uh, contracts work. So we now have Jarrett Culver on our team, and I think that's where we should start. Um, what do y'all think about this move? I think that. This confirmed number six, by the way. Thank you. I was going to do some fact checking of myself because we believe in truth here in the Grizzden pod. Um, Amen. Yeah, man, that was so anyway. uh, I'm going to sort of tout this podcast a little bit first. Guess is up because I, I think that all year we've been preparing our listeners for not like that we're going to start making moves to get ready to capitalize on Ja. Like that's been a thing that we've used that term. We've talked about it. We've talked about who's going to be a long-term fit, who can be long-term fits, whether it's their type of role or the actual player in playoff scenarios. Uh, You know, we talked a lot about in the playoffs, like who were proving themselves in their role or as a fit specifically in their fit next to Ja. Like these were things that, were not abnormal topics of rants and just laborious conversations that we would go through. And so the first thing to me is that I just think that everything that this front office has done, beginning with trading our, my beloved Jaeger Meister who's on my shirt, which by the way, my 18 month daughter daughter thinks is me. So when I wear this shirt, (laughs) she points at it and says, daddy, Mm. It's hilarious. <laughs> this <laughs> it's, is the this basketball is fun to play. Yeah, shirt it's our big Jonas. JV shirt, and it's yellow and it's hilarious. So that I, let me just circle back to just to say, like, I think that it's it's happening. We're acquiring more players that are, I think, that are giving us shots at seeing whether it's them specifically or their type of player, how does it fit alongside of our core to maximize them, I think, to really make runs when we have to start paying Ja 
max level type salary. So that's the, the principle of like the just the construction of the team that way I think is just a, a, a core thing that may be worth just discussing for a second. Or at least me, I'll just wrap up my point there. Well, I think uh there's it's 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 two things to me and I think one of them is what you're saying where it's your your eye you are not doing what Minnesota let's say is doing right now or New Orleans they have a relatively young team still which seems like they've been quote unquote young forever but it's true they don't have their stars are not in their 30s like their stars are in their mid 20s that's right they just added a guy like Patrick Beverly who is a not a he's not enough to move the needle to me but he also is a type of player that is making a level of salary where you're saying we are trying to win right now. You don't trade for Pat Beverly if you are looking to rebuild. He is not that type of guy. You don't give up Jarrett Culver, who is still very young on his rookie deal, if you are in a mode like the Grizzlies, where we're taking on young players, we're building up assets. We, But the other side of this, so that's what I'm saying, is like the Grizzlies are, are doing it a different way, and yet you know, they're still in the same level of team. Uh, they're maintaining a level of, of uh, respectability while also not necessarily um, gaining any experience or veteran help. Um, they're doing the opposite. The other part of this is you are, they are keeping their books extremely clean in the process. They just did a deal with, with the Clippers to, I, I believe that it was all of this was for this uh, the four million that's on next year's books for Eric Bledsoe, and you take back three guys who don't have any salary in twenty two twenty three, and yeah, you eat it a little bit this season because, I mean, this season's free agency is over. What are you gonna? Do? What's left? And you're in in Jarrett Culver's case, which you know that was probably also another goal is to flip Bledsoe for multiple assets that you could then flip for more, which they did. But in Culver's case, he has a team option at the end, which we have to exercise by October, which is a really interesting conversation. Uh, but we could very well not accept that team option, not pick it up, and our books are even cleaner for next year. And so not only do you get to take a flyer on a guy this year who's cost-controlled, but he's potentially in the timeline of your team as far as, far as age. And he's a wing, and... Athletic wings who can defend are at a premium right now, unless they're in a bad situation and you can get them out. So we're a lot of what we were talking about. This is my the last point I'll make, and then I'll pass it to Ty or Brantley. But we had been discussing all the bad contracts in the league that we could take on in return for assets, okay. and the front office is saying we want assets, but we also don't want bad contracts, and they they are threading this needle so. Finally, that it's just like I'm really impressed. Like we're not taking on, let's say, an Eric Eric Gordon, something like that. That's right. Which most people would think a bad team, like the Thunder. That's what they're doing. They're taking on Kimball Walker. They're buying him out for a hundred million dollars. You know. So. And I kind of I want to set Ty up for his um his rant that he tweeted from his burner account. Follow us on Twitter, uh, Grizzman Pod. But. 
like because I think we're gonna get into like the player. We're gonna talk about Culver. Sure. Like we're gonna get into him and talk about him in a bit. You we're know, starting we'll, at thirty thousand point seven um, of the podcast. We'll get into it. We'll put the like link notes in there. You can skip there if you want to. Perfect. Yeah. Um, More work for me. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but one of the things that I, I we've sort of mentioned it maybe at a high level. Um, just in of things that we think are great is that the front office and the coaching staff seems to all be clicking on all cylinders on the same page, you know, with the assets that we have, players getting, you know, playing time. And at the same time, I, I do think that what is happening is the front office is, is, is giving the coaching staff excellent assets to win. They're not asking them to tank. But they're and but they're not giving them, you know, like this potential win now type scenario either. To your point, no one's demanding minutes, and they're not demanding minutes. So they're so like this past year, for instance, like you know, a lot of Grizz fans would have loved to have seen people like Bain and Melton getting minutes over Grayson Allen, and Grayson was starting and getting lots of minutes, and he was clearly like a Jenkins guy that he loved because. He was always in the right spot. He did the right thing. He did the right plays. He was never doing – he was not taking a whole lot of creative liberties on the court. He was just doing the right stuff, and that was the that was what Jenkins valued on top of the fact that he could make some shots and whatever. But his upside in terms of play creation and defensive ability and blah, 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 all that was really limited. And, and even though he had big moments for us in the playoffs, you could really see – at times where he fit, but at times where, where his just ceiling was really capped. And so I do think that there was this, what we're sort of seeing even with that trade, because there are other assets similar to Grayson that we pro- that we could have given up if the front office wanted to, to still make this move. Maybe like there's, there's ways that we, I would theoretically assume that we could have, that we could have done that, but the front, the front office sort of had to say, yeah, we're still kind of, a, we're going to keep winning, but it's not with Grayson. We've learned enough, and we're moving on. And and that sort of long-term perspective is the lens that we have to view all these trades through. Right, Ty? Give it to us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thanks. All right, let's move. No, go ahead. So, yeah, it's a great point. I think – yeah, if you if you looked at our Twitter, all, like, 100 followers that we have – all these moves, all these trades, I think they come as a surprise, and we were talking about this a few nights ago. I think it comes as a surprise because teams that make these type of trades are usually not very good. Teams that are trying to accumulate assets use their space, right, to, like, take on bigger contracts and get assets in return, like you said, they're kind of starting to thread that needle, but they're still doing it, right? They still took on the Bledsoe contract. Correct. Which is apparently really bad. And the fact that they flipped that for something else, that also flipped it again for, you know, a chance at Culver. We'll get into that later. But I think the grand view, the kind of step back, as I call it, the 30,000-foot view, is that it's really hard to comprehend why a team that is young and up and coming in the you know immediate view looks to have or are taking a step back, which is not the trend that normally happens in professional sports. 
when you have a young team that's up and coming that has started to prove themselves, the Grizzlies are a prime example of that. Your two best players are 21, will be turning 22. Jaw just did. Jaron's coming to start the season, which is crazy young. Um, when those are your two best players and you're already making the eight seed in what everyone would call just a hellacious Western Conference, we beat out Curry and Draymond and the Warriors to get the eight seed. No one gave us a chance to do that. The like most logical next step forward is okay. How can we even get better now? How can what moves can we make to maybe get the seven seed, the six seed? How can we start doing that? The Hawks did it last year for different reasons, maybe because they've been bad for a really long time. They were starving for any type of success, starving for the playoffs. But that's what they did. They made short-term moves to try to you know get them as good as they possibly could the following season. The Bulls just did it this offseason. Again, a little bit different, but the Bulls have a few younger players. They made a win-now trade this past season with Vucevic sending two first-round picks. Um, they have Levine, who's entering in his prime. So basically they were like, oh, my gosh, we got to push all our chips in right now to see is we can be as good as we can possibly be. And that doesn't really get you anywhere. You could argue the Hawks this past year was literally the ceiling for what they could have done. Like everything fell perfectly for the Hawks. They could be, this may be crazy, they could be six, eight, ten games worse record-wise this upcoming season, and it wouldn't shock me, right? So I think first thing is when you see it, you're like, whoa, what are the Grizzlies doing? Like all the, you know, national people were like, what are they thinking? Like what are they doing? And they were like, Bledsoe doesn't help you do this. Bledsoe doesn't do that and all this kind of thing. We immediately flipped him, of course, because everyone just sees what's happening in the now. Everyone's very myopic. They don't really view the grand scheme of things. Um, and then immediately we trade for, for Pat Beverly. Everyone started saying, like, Beverly, man, lead, Rondo is going to bring leadership to Ja, all this kind of stuff. It's like, guys, Laughable. you have to take a step back, scan back, and look at the larger landscape. The Grizzlies are doing that, but the biggest point, I think, is what is the most difficult, what I'm kind of saying earlier is that a team in the Grizzlies situation, that doesn't happen. Teams that are this good, they don't do this. They try to capitalize on every possible win they can get. And we're not doing it. We're not saying, like, we won 38 games last year. How can we get to 42? The Grizzlies are not doing that. How can we get to 43? The Grizzlies are saying we have a potential superstar, all-star, top 10 player in the NBA in Ja. And we have we know what works around him, even if they don't work now. We know, and Matt Harlicka did his uh, he he wrote up on this either yesterday or this morning. We know we need big wings that can handle and defend. We know that's what we need with the two guys that we have in place that will continue to be in place. Zaire Williams fits that. Jarrett Culver also fits that. We are trying to, whether it's taking chances on guys that are, may not be proven but may have high ceilings or what we see in them, we're trying to build around this that makes sense for not only maybe now, maybe even not for now, but moving forward, we are building this image in our head. We're like painting a picture, right? But it's going to take time to complete it. We're not trying to slap something together in the short term to just make a picture just because we have one and we can't because we have paint and we have paper. We are trying to mold something like clay, 
right, into something that down the road, when everything comes together, we have a chance to peak. And I think the Grizzlies front office, I think this is really also weird for a small market like us, but I think our we view our ceiling as like championship tier. I'm not saying like winning the title, but if everything falls right, we may be in that spot to take advantage of it. I think that's their goal. I don't think their goal is like how many years in a row can we get the sixth seed? No, we want to hang a banner. Yes, and I think that takes delicate molding and time and patience, and I think this front office is showing that, but I think there's a disconnect between what they're doing and maybe what our expectations are and what the standards are for other teams and other franchises that are also in professional sports. It's why I didn't like the Zaire pick. It's because I'm not them, and I wasn't using that view at the time. I'm preaching to the choir because I have also had the same exact It's easy thoughts. to get caught up in the moment because like, we love the is. playoffs. We love the playing game. We wanted to yes. win. Right. It's more fun. And the other thing, too, that I sort of think is that, like, let me say it this way to your point, Ty, because I think you would agree with this. I would, I would say previous regimes of the Grizzlies, if they were operating this current structure, they would look at what we had last year and they'd be like, let's make like one or one or like one small move to your point to moderately improve this team a little bit to see if we could maybe move up to the seven seed or something. Versus I think this front office is saying we may take a step back. We're totally cool with get being at the exact same or even a little bit better as last year. But if we do that, we're going to learn a little bit more with different types of players and maybe even increase our ceiling in the future years because we've we've added different types of players around there for what we think is going to work long term. Yes. It's not necessarily we're willing. It's we're a little willing to take a step back, but there's a chance that we might even because John Jaron could take a step forward. And and then like you got guys like Culver and Bain or whatever that could step up that where we might could compete a little. Who bit Who was more. the most consistent player on the roster last year? JV. There you go. Yeah, and taking away that. Yeah, you're taking away your foundation to hopefully expand a new foundation. Yeah. So again, Mar- Matt Harlicka again just shout out Matt. He's, he's the favorite of the pod. He we reference him is. literally every week, and he does it for free or right? two do- two dollars. You can, but yeah, it's basically two dollars a month. Um, y'all should all do his Patreon. It's great. We need to have him back on soon. Anyway, he yes. was basically like when we traded JV, his reference was we just took the training rules off, which is brilliant because it's so true. And everyone's like the Steven Adams trade is amazing for Jaron because it's going to force Jaron. You're going to have to create offense, man, because Jake like Steven Adams is not going to do that. He's going to play hard defense, set crazy good screens and rebound. He's going to cover your weaknesses on that aspect of things, but at the same time, like offensively, it's going to be up to Jaron to do things. One other point, and then I'll pass it. So another thing about the players that we've gotten, we have a type, and that type is hardworking, high basketball IQ guys that we believe in. Culver fits in that mold. So I think it's not that we're just like like the Josh Jackson thing. I don't really think that trade was about Josh Jackson. I think it was about Melton. Josh Jackson is a great example of that, though. Like We didn't really give him the time of day because he didn't fit. He's not what we're looking for. We're very specific in who we're going after um, as well, too. So, like, we're showing our vision there, too. Can I just gush over this trade for a second? Please. I just want at least the room. If y'all – we texted about this, and this is just Brantley's opinion. I – I'm so ecstatic that we were able to pull this off. I'm not trying to just like, let's just lay out all the dominoes, but like no one wanted Bledsoe. 
no one, everyone would have said that was one of the worst contracts in the league last year from a performance and salary basis. Maybe not the worst, but one of them. It was horrible. We got him. We were you were worried, which I agree with you. We're just we're just gonna have to buy him out and have a minor hit like we've done with other players. We flipped him to a team that needed salary relief. I, I mean, I sort of got some of those guys back, and I was like, well, and, and we were listening to guys like Bobby Marks, who was like, well, this is about the next thing. He clearly, I, I'm sort of now playing that back, thinking like he knew something, and he just couldn't talk about it. It was about the next thing. He was one of the only national pundits that actually went on record and really said that immediately. And we flipped it into a top six pick that some people had Culver over jaw stupidly on their big boards for that year, for the same year as jaw. Like, I, we would have clearly disagreed with that, but I remember thinking at the time, like, if before I knew we were moving up to two, I was like, if we could somehow be in the sixth, seventh pick and land Culver after watching him in the national championship game and that whole tournament run, I was like, that would be incredible to get a big wing like that. So before we talk about him and his situation and why we think he's terrible, like it is just so amazing that we turned these, like they're not even pennies to me, into a shot at a legitimate like lottery type player. It's not even, it's not like 10. Like Culver was like, you go back and read his stuff and like what people were saying about him, it was like this, like he is going to be a stud on a team. Y'all remember when, back when like Tom Brady and the Patriots were really good every year. And then you'd see that one guy who had been like a cast off and all of a sudden he signs with the Patriots and you're like, shoot, they know something like he's going to all of a sudden blow up. That's kind of what it feels like. Or we're starting to gain that. Absolutely. uh, We are, we are that team that can rehabilitate. So that's the upside. And I want to say one more thing about just the theory of where we are, and then we can get into the details. I think it takes so much unselfishness from the top down to do what the Grizzlies are doing as well. Because if you think about it, let's start with the owner. Starting with Perry, yeah, that's right. The owner has to be willing. So the better a team is, this is scientifically proven, the more it's worth. An investor is always going to want to make sure his asset is appreciating in value. The Grizzlies are probably not going to appreciate in value this year. So it takes, like, the owner has to trust, first of all, that uh, the people he's put into place are being, are, are stewarding his investment properly. The GM has to be extremely confident in his position and has to be unselfish because a winning GM keeps his job. The Grizzlies probably aren't going to win more this year. A coach, even more than a GM, is judged based on his wins. We have seen countless times where a rebuilding team finally gets to a point when they're in the playoff contention, and then it's time for a new coach because he's been there for a little bit too long. Jenkins is being very unselfish. John Morant, a star player, you think he doesn't have people in his ear saying they're, they don't, like, what are they doing? They don't want to build around you now. You're good enough to be this guy. Like, he has to be completely unselfish. And depending on what the Jaron contract comes down to be, like, he could also be, like, very unselfish in this scenario as well. Like, it, it takes as delicate as a professional franchise is in, in, a, in, a, in a sport, it takes top-down unselfishness. And so I think that's incredibly impressive. And I'm not saying that it's going to last forever, but in this moment, when it's kind of a critical juncture, 
in an offseason like this, you're seeing it. That's yeah. pretty important. Yeah, and these are the years that you can do that and ask for patience because you're not killing yourself. So all of a sudden, if you if these things don't work out, you still haven't risked a ton. You haven't pushed all the chips in yet because when it's time to do – if we have to do the Bulls thing or we have to do what the Pelicans are doing right now, we've got a little bit more flexibility and maybe we have more data on our side for what's actually worked to go make the right moves. Totally. All right, so Culver as a player – um, one of the first things I thought of, I, w- I was like, from a theoretical standpoint, pumped about the trade because I'd much rather have a shot at Culver than uh, a bought-out uh, veteran. Like, I would rather have a guy than not a guy. And I do have major concerns about his shooting. Um, I think that, though, he was in a pretty terrible system, and they didn't maximize what he did well. And I'm willing to give it a shot, but I'm going in with, a level of skepticism with Culver, and I want to know what you guys think too. I think, yeah, you have to go in with skepticism for sure. We're not sitting here telling you, oh, my gosh, we just got this Cinderella story who's going to be an all-star in two years. I don't know if that's the case. But I also don't think it's – I don't think we've seen enough to say that he can't do that, I guess. And even if he can't, I think he could have a role in the NBA – as a guy who can defend, move the ball, handle the ball, and maybe score on cuts. And maybe he can develop his shot again because he was coming out of college. Everyone kept saying he could be like this primary shot creator um, if everything works out well. A lot of people compared him to Chris Middleton. Um, I looked up Chris Middleton's stats his first year in the league. He played for Detroit, notoriously not the best franchise. He played 27 games, started none of them, averaged six points a night. Immediately got traded to Milwaukee, started 64 of 82 games, averaged 12 points on like 40% from three. One little change of scenery, all of a sudden Chris Middleton, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but it's happened before. That's the point, yeah, and kind of what you were saying earlier. He was in a really bad situation, and kind of back to the point of we have a type. Apparently he's like the hardest working guy ever. Um, Brantley, you might have said this earlier, but when we were – Going through that draft process, apparently the Grizzlies front office was super high on him, really, really liked him the whole time. Um, the guy that coaches the hustle, I'll let you kind of tell that story. I know Chris, Chris Vernon had already mentioned it, but we had kind of like an inside scoop on who Culver is, and clearly that spoke volumes too. Um, he may turn into nothing, but to Brantley's point too, what would you rather do, this or go spend – $90 million on DeMar DeRozan. If you're taking swings one way or the other, right, if you have to go do all this, if you have to spend your free agent money on a guy like that, overpay for, or same thing the Hawks did with Gallinari, like what would you rather do? Try to take a swing on a guy that you're not really necessarily committed to financially long-term, he doesn't crush you financially long-term, and maybe he develops into something, or a guy that ceilings capped out does hurt you financially moving forward, so I think you can look at it both ways. Like, which one would you rather have? I think we were on the record for saying the best we would do for DeRozan is like two for 40, right? Or something around there. Something like that. Know. But, I mean, it would have taken a lot more than that. No, no. Point. Like, that was just our opinion. To go get a guy like that. But even then, I'd rather have Culver use your than cap two for 40. Space, yeah, how, how would you prefer to use your cap space? Exactly. And that's, we're using it by maybe taking on some money and collecting assets and seeing, seeing what sticks. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think when we were talking about um, in some of our like post, like our off season discussions, 
I, you know, I think we talked about guys like Cam Reddish. Would that be a guy that they'd go figure out how to take a shot at? It was rumored that he, that they were going to move off of him and kind of reset their rookie deals in a sense, or at least the Hawks would. Um, and Culver sort of fits that type. It's for different reasons that the Bucks are doing this. I'm about to ma- I'm about to say something that like this is not going to be a perfect analogy, but one of the reasons why when we got into the off season discussions about Jaron and what we were willing to pay him is that there's this balance of paying him for sort of what he's shown us versus what his upside potentially could be type thing. And um, there's all the weird nuances of triple J of like injuries and all this kind of stuff, but he's really shown us glimpses of what he could be. Right. And so that's why we were willing to, to pay a little bit more. But but we still haven't seen it necessarily. Like we've just seen some of it. We just have like these glimmers of hope. Culver's the same age as Jaron, and essentially, maybe there's one year off or six months or whatever. I mean, like there, and so like, and and Jaron, I firmly believe that he's the kind of young kid like all these young guys are. Like they're. 22 like just I mean goodness gracious what were you doing when you were 22 years old where they he Jaron was in a good situation around some veterans that were aging out with the Grizzlies and had a good head on his shoulders and was in a positive situation where I think he had some encouragement and was able to develop he had he had a front office and coaching staff that believed in him and so he was given moments to shine Culver is the exact opposite of all of that and so I guess my point with, with this is is that I I don't even know if there's there can be skepticism. The data on him doesn't look great. But there's just so much about the situation to me where I'm just like, I'm just willing just to click the reset button on the Nintendo and just see what happens the next two years. All right. Let's play a game. It's called Be a GM. <laughs> Okay. Wow. We have some decisions to make before the season begins. And I think that we should make those decisions here on the podcast right now. Okay. The first one has to do with our boy, Jared Culver, who we've talked about at length. He has a team option for about $9 million next year. Here are our options. We can exercise that team option, which means that he is under contract this year for about 8 million and change and next year for nine million and then he's a restricted free agent at the end of that or we can not pick up his team option he isn't expiring at the end of this year however if we want to resign him the most we can do is one year at about nine million just very similar to the josh jackson scenario that we went through we decided ultimately not to pick up josh jackson's fourth year team option what Say you. So when we made the Bledsoe trade, everyone was like, he's only guaranteed $4 million that next year. To me, with salary cap and free agency implications and stuff like that, what's the big difference between four and eight? All of a sudden, we were like, oh, it's not that bad. $4 million guaranteed. We have to pay him that, but it's not the end of the world. But everyone thinks like the $8 million, if we if we pick up Culver's option, Everyone thinks $8 million is just going to collapse everything, right? To me, it's not that big of a difference between 4 and 8. I know we don't have Bledsoe anymore, but that's what we were willing to do, clearly. 
But now, since we've done the Culver thing, everyone was like, oh, my gosh, if we pick up his option, that's $9 million on the books when it could be clean, all that kind of stuff. I think we do pick up his option um, before October because, if anything else, we keep the asset, which is another thing we've talked about. That's a great salary to trade, all that kind of stuff. I don't think we make this trade to basically give him one year with our team because I think that we made the trade – you could argue that we made the Bledsoe trade from New Orleans to then go to Beverly. I think we had a lot of things in mind, and I think one of them was to get a guy like Culver. And I don't think we're just going to, like, not pick up his option. If I was the GM, I would pick it up. I would pick up his qualifying before October and make him restricted. That's what I would do. Yeah, um, as the GM, I – think that this kid just needs some confidence he needs to be around our young guys that are positive and enjoy being around one another I think that he needs to be in a good situation I think it's going to take time for him to build trust with the people and build confidence and think that it's a two-year project for us to really know what we've got so I sort of am a, I sort of know that we're going to pick up his option because if he performs well and within those two years and we start to see what he could really traject towards um, as being a fit when we're really starting to contend differently and maybe be a starter on our team in the you know, 23, 24, 25 seasons, then I want to be able to retain him well and get him at a, at a price that's worth, worth it for us then. Here's why I would make this not a very interesting podcast and agree with both <laughs> of you. The Grizzlies are not here, – here's the deal. If you are a team in a larger market, cap space is really important because at any time a free agent could decide that he wants to sign with you if you have the right situation. The Grizzlies are not that way. They have obviously made their money in trades. And opening having $9 million on the books for next year versus not having $9 million, it's a big deal if you're talking about wanting to have room for a max player. Because that is the difference between having room for a max player and not. And so, if they pick it up, they're basically punting on that possibility unless you move something else. And so, I think, though, that they're going to be looking way more for opportunistic trades like they have been than they are going to be looking to sign free agents. And that's why I think they should pick it up. Um, Okay, second half of our really fun game. Uh, we have 18 players on the roster right now. We have to get down to 15. Can I list out the 18 that are on the roster for you guys? Please. This is going to be really fun. Steven Adams, Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson, John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., DeAnthony Melton, Tyus Jones, Rajon Rondo, Wancho, Hernan Gomez, Jarrett Culver, Zaire Williams, Brandon Clark, John Conchar, my boy, Desmond Bain, Santi Aldama, Sam Merrill, Daniel Arturo, and Xavier Tillman. I really thought that Killian Tilly was also going to be part of that. However, he just signed a two-way, which is weird. Weird. You, you don't see guys that perform that well signing another two-way. So that actually helps the front office a lot. Um, I need to note that Sam Merrill has a partial guarantee. So his $1.5 million is not fully guaranteed. I thought it already had to be full. I thought we had to make that decision like either right after we traded for him or whatnot. 
I thought he's all, we've already guaranteed his 1.5. Um, that is, I'm not saying that is not right. I need to double check right now on spot track. They have his as a partial, okay. but I'm going to double check. Sure. Um, okay. Out of that group, feel free to pull up the roster too on your own personal devices. I need to know who you're going to cut and who, or who you're going to try to get rid of and who the 15 are. I think we can all agree that Rondo has gone. I think we're cutting Rondo is like, he probably won't even make it to camp. We'll probably look to trade him for a second round pick or something like that. Uh, but if push comes to shove, nothing's happened before camp. I just think we cut him and do a buyout. So there's one down. I think Conch is next. Really? Whoa. Yeah, I mean, if you if if you believe in the, I'm, I'm not I'm not I'm talking at this purely from player fit. Now, I'm not talking about it from uh, what I know the GM. I need a I need my financial analyst to be with me here and remind me of the implications. <laughs> no, he's got a partial. Uh, it might not even be partial. It might not be. It might be non guaranteed after this year. It's very unclear on this stupid website. I just I just think that you know what you got in him, and he's he doesn't. We we should look towards different needs at the bottom of our roster now. That hurts a little bit. I'm really sorry. Um, you can disagree with me. Now is the time. Well, okay. So he obviously to me is a guy that can, he's a very serviceable end of the bench guy. If they're, I mean, not that that matters at all in the grand scheme of things, but, um, I will say this, I would have liked to see a little bit more shooting for him, a little bit more shooting improvement. I don't think you've seen that. He's a guy who you're not shocked. If he's in a hustle game or if he's in a summer league game, he'll have five points, eight boards, and nine assists. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's a John Conchar stat line, um, which I, I think is very like charming in a lot of ways because I love guys that don't make mistakes and that you can rely on and don't get shaken. Like he gets – he was in the Lakers game, I remember, and playing super well against like LeBron, AD, and all those guys. Like he was – he looked – he didn't look – uh, bothered by that situation. Does he have the chance to be your ninth player in a playoff no. roster? Okay. That's, that's the problem. Um, but I also don't think, so I, I think that this front office just has a history there. And I think that they don't have a history with other guys, which is why I think they probably won't cut him, but he'll be close. Um, I think. Would you take him? Okay, let's let's turn this be a GM into. Uh, would I don't want to say would you rather because that has really weird implications. But would you rather Conch or Gomez? And I mean having him on the roster. I've never heard uh, Hernan Gomez being shortened to Gomez, but I like it. Sorry, home, I'm just I'm Southern. <laughs> no, we're no. kind of just to Mez. Mez, <laughs> Conch or Mez. Uh. Uh, Contra watch. <laughs> Contra watch. I like it. I'm surprised this is. Well, um, <sighs> Mez started for a team I don't for a bit. I mean, you're right. Okay, you're right. Fine. Like, I'll take Wancho. Okay. So maybe, maybe 
Here's the you deal. could take Meryl and Arturo off. Arturo. That's what I was. I was literally taunt. my three are uh, Arturo, Meryl, and Ray John Rondo. Those are my three, and I'm rolling with the rest. I'm, you didn't want to talk about Aldama and his summer league performances, maybe. We just signed him though. No, he's like locked in. He's got. He's team controlled for the next eight years. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> point though. Although overreaction does, theater, uh, it was tough to see a lot of guys out playing him. Yeah, he but had I mean, a decent like second to last. He's game twenty. Or he's twenty. Yeah, he's a young guy. Hey, hey, hey we're getting on. really trapped in the moment right here. Yeah. Can we like take a little <laughs> Let's step take back? some long-term perspective. So let's just, of the guys on the roster, who are the most likely, you think? Okay, Merrill's got a freaking clip. I will say that. Dude he can, can launch. shoot. Yep. However, didn't we just get rid of a guy who also had a clip and who we was did. in a very crowded shooting guard rotation? And they're also very similar ages, even and though Merrill went, he got drafted much later. He but. has the least amount of impact salary-wise. To come. Yeah, Orturo is probably next up there. But this is also not including, like, we could easily make, I know everyone who's ever a Grizzlies fan has been talking about consolidation trades. So, again, I think we honestly have to wait and see. Yeah. I don't think we're done yet either. Yeah. Like, I think there's just Rondo really could no be, time. I, think I bet we, we're calling every team about Rondo. Give me a second rounder and you can have him. Yes. I bet is what we're doing. For a non-guaranteed guy that we can cut. Yes. Uh, we may... Throw Merrill in there, too. Who sure. knows? I don't really know. But I do think that we are very active still. But I think of the guys that are least likely to be on our roster, if barring a crazy trade, I agree with you, Will. I think it's Merrill, Oturu, Oturu. So hard Otara, to say. I've said it like four different times in one podcast. And Rondo. I yeah. think those are the three guys. Um, Rondo, to me, is I get actually the, the exact opposite too, of good for the locker room. Yeah, to be yeah. honest with you, I totally disagree with anybody that said he's sure. good for the locker room. Me too. Um, there's a reason Atlanta was like, take him and give second rounders just to get whatever, just get him out of here. Sorry, I interrupted you. Um, no, ahead. but I think um, I lost. I lost my train of thought. Dang it. Okay, can we play? Can we play one more GM game that I had no idea you were doing? Please. Who of the? Okay, so of the fifteen, then hmm. not listing. Aldama, Conch, and Homes. Mess. I'm Another gonna one. Pr- I'm just going to pronounce his name differently. So that leaves you. Show. That Cho leaves Man. you. Jaw, Triple J, Dylan, Kyle, Adams, Bain, Tillman, BC, Culver, Tyus, Zaire, Melton, who is not part of the 15. Great. Start this a is camp. A probably better question, honestly. Part of the 15. They're all going to be part of the 15. No, who's like probably most likely to be traded? Most likely to be traded. Yeah. Oh. Um, that's a good one. Can I? I'll just go really quick, scenario wise. I think Kyle has a lot of value, but I think we would probably be hesitant to trade him because I think he means a lot, and I th- I could see him being like a vet that sticks. Right? He's not as old as you think he is, and also he's gonna play the same when he's sixty five as he does now. So I bet his game will age pretty well, and I think just the team really likes him, and I think he's a great vet. Um, I think there's an easy answer. And I think Tyus yes. is the one that kind of makes the For most sure. sense, especially if Bain was doing a lot of ball handling in summer league. He obviously didn't look great at it. If Melton could play a little backup point guard, if he can have ball handling by committee, I think Tyus is – I don't know about his value either, though. I don't know if it's, like, great. I think Kyle was probably, like, most value trade, but I think Tyus is maybe the most expendable of those 15 for our roster. 
Is backup point guard the least valuable uh, position in the NBA? Probably, and you could probably get one in next year's draft with your second-round pick. I would actually say, I guess, center. Center is like the trash heap. Just pick up JaVale McGee anytime you want him. I mean, yeah. he went to the Olympics. But Adams is, Adams, gold is medalist. Team. Like Adams is, I think, is on our team for this year for sure. Totally. Yeah. I'm not saying on our team. I'm saying yes. in, the, in the terms of the broader NBA, I think it goes like center and then backup point guard. Yeah. I, I I am very open to it being Tyus. Yeah. And I would say willing to accept it seems like it's getting talked about enough like it's going to happen. Last game, because I just – the random games, this is what this podcast is for. Who is older, Kyle Anderson or Steven Adams? Anderson. Kyle Anderson is 27. Steven Adams is 28. Oh, Wow, they're both. I did know that uh, they're both like (laughs) so young. They're not near as old as you think. I did know JV is older than Adams, which everyone was like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, exactly. That was crazy to find out. So, (laughs) Stephen Adams just when he went all like Aquaman, he aged like seventeen years. Stephen Adams, he's gonna be the best Grizzly ever. We're gonna love. He's gonna fit for sure so well. He and Pat Bev are gonna be such good. Oh wait. There was a lot of like who's the best grizzly ever, Dwight Howard, Pat Bev, uh <laughs> all the Andre Iguodala. Alan Iverson. AI. But he played AI he, appeared in a game. He's he ineligible. Yeah, he count, yeah. Um didn't Gilbert Arenas at one point was he a grizzly? He, yeah, was, he, good. he played, man. He hey. hit some game winners. No, he was good. He was, he was like uh what our front office previously would have yeah. done, brought in Him to and compliment Mario this team. and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so perfect. I think John Conchar and Tyus Jones are like similar in the sense that they're never going to make a mistake, but man, they don't like raise your ceiling a whole lot. And Conchar, we're really so deep in this podcast now. <laughs> Conchar's the Grayson thing, though. Like, we kind of know what he is. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to improve nothing. or get a lot better. And Will, your point was amazing about his shooting. If there was like a flash of him shooting, like. 40% for, like, three months, then you're kind of like, ooh, this Conchar guy. Like, if he could be, like, a knockdown shooter, like, at least in the corners, he's just not, though. He could weirdly defend at the point of attack a little bit, too. He's not a bad player, but he's not, like – it's just going to be hard to find a role for that guy. I Help think. defense, like a I big role. Said, not point of attack. Sorry. Help defense. Um, I agree. Can we talk very quickly about Summer League that I know both of you watched I mean, intently? We can talk as long as we want to. Okay, here's my theory about Summer League. It's not original, but I also agree with it and had thought it going in. I was way I know more what interested. You're gonna say. It way matters a lot. More interested in seeing what our second year guys were gonna do as opposed to our first year guys. It is, I think, essential that your second year guys who are playing on your summer league team stick out like they're not supposed to be there in a good way. And I think Bain and Tillman looked like the best players in Vegas. That's damn straight. Tilly also looked really good by the second half of the first game and on. Um, McDermott looked horrible for one game, and then he actually came back and started to score again. I don't think he'll be back. I think they're going to have Pons on the two-way, which was fun to watch. Pons uh, cleaning up. So he's already signed. But they That's say right. it may be like an exhibit It's an exhibit 10, 10 which yeah. means it's a training camp spot, and he could be converted to a two-way, right. essentially. Um, Can but, we say that Bain shot 70% from three? That's right. 70. 69, actually. But he didn't make the uh, all-summer team. Of course he didn't. He didn't play enough. 
He didn't. He only played like a two and a half games or something. Seventy percent. Um, wild. Should be enough. I will say this too. After game one, Trey Murphy, our boy, played out of his mind, and Zaire looked like he wasn't really in it. And then game two came around, and it completely flipped because it turns out that practicing more than half a day with a team helps. Which so Zaire, before Zaire's first game, he had done a half day with the team. Everything else was like film work. He hadn't even like been with the team yet. Because he wasn't allowed to until also, the train went through. That's we knew why. this going in. Zaire is a project. Trey Murphy is the whole niche on him. So he could come in right now and play a role for you. It was set up for him to do this. Zaire is not. Zaire, you're just looking for flashes. You're looking for the off-the-bounce scoring, and he did that. Yeah. Decently inconsistent, but he showed you some flashes. So summer league was fun. It was a, it was a brief blip um, because it's already it's already over. Um, it was really fun watching Davion Mil- Mitchell defend. Uh, Cam Thomas is also extremely good. The Nets get even better, and I think that you saw what you needed to from the Grizzlies team. You saw Zaire Williams make some plays. Uh, you you saw him. Uh, find his shot at some point um, in there. But with all that said, it's going to be really interesting to see who gets minutes between he and Culver in this, in this roster. Um, it's very deep. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that for a second. I'm, I'm curious to hear when I first saw the Culver trade, I thought this is he and I are, are will sh- share like they're going to compete for minutes and in my mind, with our current roster construction, even if we cut down Conch, <laughs> sorry, bad joke. Conch I, and Wanch are running that that third or mess. I sort of, I sort of think that that kind of looks like like it wouldn't surprise me if Zaire Joe gets very little run this first year. Oh, I agree. I would, I would think. He's Is it crazy be... to say that now with Culver? Uh, well, okay. Let's look at the plan here. You have Zaire Williams now under team control for four-plus years. You have Culver under team control for one, maybe two. You're going to want to know who you have in that one, maybe two But you have to play them both because look at what Minnesota did with Culver his first few years there. Like, Culver played, like, under 15 minutes a game this Not if you tell Zaire that this is the plan, to your point. Like, like, dude, this is the plan. You weigh 170. You need to keep eating 5,000 calories per day. And and move to whatever practice with the team, and then when you show us that it's like, dude, you've got it, and we can't keep you off the court, we're gonna put you on there. But don't worry about it; just like work on your game because we're we're good. Yeah. I don't know. It's um, and that wouldn't that would make me mad. That would make me think we've wasted a pick. Yeah, it's it's because we're deep. It's incredible yeah. how um our forward rotation has grown so much um, while our guard rotation has actually shrunk a little bit. Um, it's going to be really tough to find minutes at the three and the four this year. It yeah. just is. There's so many guys that are have a prove-it year coming up. Yeah. So, ah, Jenkins, I don't That's envy why his Kyle, Kyle is such a fascinating thing because we do have younger guys who can play his position, and he was in a very similar situation to JV and Grayson, meaning he expires after this year. So, like, he, he enters the market. So, we either re-sign him or we try to get something for him. And it will be really interesting to see 
which route we take there. I'm um, on Team Extend, Kyle. So I'm playing my flag I think that could right here today. very much be the case, and I definitely wouldn't be bummed about it. That's right. I'd probably be more upset if we traded him than that, for sure. But, like, we have a lot of guys at that position. A lot of guys. So... Yeah, and maybe like Wancho and Tyus get packaged in like next week. Like we don't know. True, but as of right now, yeah. And I feel like the guy like Culver needs minutes, but he's not going to play like twenty five minutes a night. Like he's gonna he's gonna need a little bit smaller role. I think Bain should start at the two, but who knows if he will. So I don't know. It's going to be really interesting. Bain starting would be a big win. I think Job Bain Dylan. Jaron and Adams would just it would be great. I think Ja Bain, Dylan, Kyle, Jaron. Hey yo. Would be fun. It would be. We would get We're gonna close with a different lineup every game. It's gonna be wild. Yeah. BC yeah, with Tillman. just this awesome combo of Adams, Tillman, and BC coming off the bench. Absolutely. The bruiser lineup. The Tillman playing point center just the whole time. He brings the ball up the court. He had a step back three. Step back. Tyus Culver, BC, Tillman, Adams. That's your bench with Melton. Sheesh. Big old sheesh. That's what I'm saying. Like, you got. There's too many. Bane's Bane's all of a sudden in Melton now. You're like your bench creators. I've been working on a little uh, project. The top five questions going into the Grizzly season. I'm going to reveal them. On our next real podcast, get excited! The top, what a man! That's like a Mike and Mike type spoiler <laughs> there. What a lead in! You want to know what the top five questions are? Wait till the end of September. Coming up next. <laughs> wait till you hear from Eat Walker Financial Management. <laughs> no, but uh, you want me to tease one of them? Sure. What a teaser! You don't have your mic up. No one heard you say that. Yes. It has to do with Brandon Clark. Uh-oh. Are you okay? That's all I'm going to say. Brandon okay. Clark. Uh, he gone. No, he starts. It's a prove-it year. <laughs> it's a prove-it year. That's all I'm going to say. It's a prove-it year for our guy. Yep. Um. All right. So we're almost at our time. Anything left to discuss? We had, It's August 18th. We have a couple of really fun episodes coming up, I should say. Um, I could edit this out if if this is not actually what we're going to do, but I have uh, we're going to do some over unders. Love it for the league. I have some ideas on how to make that pretty fun. It's just um, going to be like the Bill Simmons podcast, but just a Grizzlies fan point perspective, right? It, there could be also a game involved okay, with stakes. Good. And then also, we have a very special podcast coming up, a uh, a crossover episode with one of our other uh, in-network podcasts, and it's going to be a little bit more macro of a discussion, but you're not going to want to miss it. And that's all I'm going to say. Any any final thoughts, guys? We discussed a lot today. No, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I think I'm good, too. Guys, just be patient with the Grizz. Enjoy the ride. Just one game at a time. Have fun with it. We're still a team, which is super fun. 
we still don't have like win now expectations. So but enjoy we might, that. But we might still win. Exactly. Enjoy it. We're retiring the basketball is fun Valentino's t shirt in the next forty five days. Yes. So go to Grizzden.com. If you want a shirt with Valentinus on it, aka Brantley. Daddy. Since that's yeah, or daddy, since that's what Wave really thinks. Go purchase it. It will be it will be retired. Are we gonna put a little promo code in there for the listeners? A uh, JV pro- uh how about bye bye J V. Uh B Y B U Y B U Y J V. If you can spell if you can spell <laughs> Yega correctly, then there's your code. That's also so you got to keep trying it. Or we could do you get code three chances. Daddy. Let's do. So Yega. we will have three codes. Each of them will vary in discounts. Yes. Oh, that's good. And bye bye JV B U Y B U Y J V. That's one. <laughs> that hard. It's hard to say, isn't it? Daddy is one, and then the correct spelling of Yega, and we're not going to tell you. <laughs> this is. Officially off the rails. And we'll make it 30 days now that we have coupon code. So buy now. Urgency. Grizzden.com is where you're going to buy them. All right. Thanks for joining us. We got exciting stuff. Like two months till the season starts. Oh, by the way, Grizzlies didn't get a Christmas Day game again. They're only one of two teams ever not to have one. I want it to stay that way. I never want a Christmas Day game. I want our players to spend that day with their families. Sue me. I couldn't disagree more. I you want a Christmas Day game? So bad. Listen. I want to go to it every year. I want that to be a tradition with me. You know it's not going to be at home? No, we're... Oh, yeah, that, that could be if we're not at home. I want it to be at home, and I want it to be a tradition. I want a Christmas Day game so bad. I think that... Uh, I think I want Charlotte. Charlotte's the other team that has had one. I want them to get one next year with LaMelo, and I want to be the only team ever for as long as we live. That, you just sound butthurt. No, I mean, it's just at some point you're just like, what do we have to do? I guess have we an have electrifying a lot to do. all-star type player that's going to be awesome. They'd be one of the top players 4 to 5 years from now. You're right. We'll get one in We four will years, have one. And I'll be mad. Stamp. And I will go with Ty and Hatcher. It'll be awesome. All right, I'll be at home with my family. I'm going with my family Eating to the grindhouse. Danishes and such. Danishes. All right. Thanks for joining us. Party people! Grizden.com. Visit the website. Promo codes. We need to end this right now.